ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas! Ah, oh. Merry Christmas to all of Merry our wonderful Christmas. listeners, all your friends and family. Oh, ho, ho, ho. what do you want for Christmas, little boy? I would like, um, Daddy to stop hitting Mommy. Oh, <laughs> too real! Too real, little boy! You'll get a train. <laughs> all right. The train does sound pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love trains? I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just want to... Murder on the Orient Express still in theaters. Go see it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> if there's not a train in the new Star Wars movie, <laughs> Greg, you so you're going home for Christmas. You decided to waste all that money. But I said, yeah, when we say home, we mean back to our hometown of Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, Massachusetts. All the way from Los Angeles to Boston. We'll be. I'll be traveling much like millions of other Americans during this wonderful holiday time. But John, you aren't. No, no, I'm staying in beautiful San Diego. John, that's not Christmassy. Where's the snow? Where's the festive lights or whatever? I don't know if they have lights. I'm assuming they have lights there. <laughs> yes, we do have lights. That technology okay, has right. gotten to us. Okay, good. I, I mean, do I feel bad that I'm not going to see any family for Christmas? Absolutely. But also, well, not, hate... not our immediate family is what you mean. Yeah, exactly. Of course you'll see family. You're with your lovely fiance. But think about all the time and travel I get to avoid, all the money I get to save. And mm-hmm. I can spend that on presents and gifts, and that's really what the season's about. Absolutely, yeah. It's really it's about, not about saving money. Time. Yeah, just hoard, hoard your your uh, <laughs> your hard-earned gains. Mm-hmm. It's good. But John, I actually have an idea for next year. Oh, what's that? How about a little family reunion? Because oh. we've got family in a in a little sweet little town mm-hmm. in Missouri. Mm-hmm. So, John, why don't next year? Why don't we all just meet me in St. Louis? That's the movie we're talking about. <laughs> meet me in St. Louis, Louis, meet me at the fair. Don't tell me the lights are shining any place but there. We will dance for hoochie coochie. You will be my tootsie whoopsie if you will meet me in St. Louis, Louis, meet me. It took a second to register, didn't it? Uh, yeah, that's why, it took that's a why, Wow, that's clever. Yeah, yeah that's, that's clever. why we get paid so little for this. <laughs> <laughs> now, the reason why we went with Meet Me in St. Louis is because this is a classic Hollywood musical from the 1940s, and it is actually the origin of the song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Oh, yeah, one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And it got me wondering, because this is a, a lauded musical from the classical, you know, golden era of this genre. And I was wondering, and it came out two years before It's a Wonderful Life, and obviously every year everybody sees It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering why why this film doesn't have the same cachet or repeatability or stand up to repeat viewings, and we'll get to that. I, we- I, have, a, I have a theory, Greg. I have a theory. <laughs> Do you? Yes. It's because this movie... Is boring as shit. No, you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong there. (laughs) This movie is not boring as shit. What this movie is, is 
It's like it's like a Christmas story in this respect. Uh, you know, my brain went exactly there as well. Yeah, in that it's it's background viewing. The stakes of the story aren't exactly life and death. You know, there aren't peaks and valleys of drama. It doesn't it doesn't draw your attention in the way like a like a more gripping narrative does. So well, like like a Christmas story, it's it's episodic too. You know, little, it's episodic. It's about a kid's childhood memories. Um, it's very specific to a Midwest town that they live in, even though for some reason St. Louis here is represented as Antebellum South. Uh, yeah, this is like a, a minstrel show for white people. This movie. <laughs> It is, like, so weird how it's just, like, you could have taken this and placed it in Memphis and nothing would have changed. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I, I don't, maybe that's where is they got Is this the... really what St. Louis was like back at the turn of the century? No. I think a producer saw Gone with the Wind and they were like, let's make that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but really, I think, yeah, they were inspired by that kind of production design. It's filmed in sumptuous Technicolor. I, th- I think it looks great mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. But the Christmas story, again, it's a very homely narrative. Mm-hmm. It's a middle-class family you can identify with. This takes place in some kind of alien world. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it centers around a family of privileged white people who yeah. are trying to like get married as quickly as possible. And it's just so unrelatable. Yeah, we should we should probably explain. Uh, the movie stars Judy Garland. She's the second of five sisters. Mm-hmm. Let's and let's rattle them the, off. Let's yeah. rattle them off. Esther, Tootie, Rose, mm-hmm. and Kate. Nope, not Katie. Uh, Esther, Tootie, Rose, and what's the last one? Agnes. 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 Is the, the second to youngest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're still in like elementary school or something like that, and mm-hmm. we'll get to them. <laughs> they have their own little uh, their own little stranger esque things adventure. <laughs> through prof- profound darkness and dread but <laughs> the story centers on esther played by J- judy garland mm-hmm. and she her oldest sister and her younger sister are, are all um in high school you know getting up to the you know starting to court boys <laughs> and I so mean, court court is a very loose term because again they're all trying to get married as quick as possible with the yeah. exception of maybe rose rose is kind of like i'm gonna i'm gonna be my own woman and esther's like oh you fool <laughs> You're not getting any younger. You're going to yeah, be 18 soon. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the crux of the plot. It's it really starts with Anna like it it looks like she's going to get a marriage proposal from some stranger in New York. Um, mm-hmm. Again, they're over the they're, phone of all. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Well, I th- I think I was designed for a joke in that like, oh my gosh, a long distance call, you know, all the way from New York to St. Louis, like obviously now, you know, today we can call yeah. halfway around the world no problem at all, so I mean, and it also takes place in 1903, so the phones have the two different components where you speak into it and your ear is pressed up against the other one. So, yeah, maybe that was the joke. Yeah. I, yeah, so that was the joke there. Again, like, not, not gut-busting laughs in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for a little more historical context, we should also explain that this is the year before the World's Fair, and that's what everyone in town is anticipating. Oh, they're so excited. They yeah. just won't shut up about it. <laughs> Well, we need something somewhere to set the uh, climax or ending of the film. So, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the reason that's there. Um, but that's the main crux of the plot is to is for these ladies to court these men. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, while Anna is waiting for a, a marriage proposal over the phone, Esther uh, pines for literally the boy next door. Mm-hmm. Um, John, what's yeah, what's his name? Thomas. <laughs> no, I was gonna say it's it's John Truitt because they whenever oh, they okay. speak of him they speak uh, which they do frequently they say his name about eight million times. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, and they always use his I full name. Even remember, they always okay. use his full name, uh, John Truitt. Uh, what do we know about this character? Uh, he likes basketball. 
so wealthy, anyway, because- yeah, Anna, yeah, Anna, um, <laughs> yeah, he's a complete, like, all, like, every classic romantic comedy setup, the man is just a placeholder. Oh, yeah, he's just a blank white face. Um, yeah. With a coiffed hair, yeah. There's just nothing to the male characters, but they, which again, is kind of which is kind of the point, I guess, because again, Esther is so enamored with him, and he's just completely like a thousand yard stare, like what's going on? Like he doesn't have any clue about what's going on around him. Maybe yeah. that's the, again the joke, but ugh. yeah. Um, but something that's emblematic of one problem I have with this movie, in that uh, I think it's not our big first big number, but it's a uh, Judy Garland's like solo moment. Mm-hmm. She, it's, it's this, the song is called um, "The Boy Next Door," and mm-hmm. it's a song where she, you know, sings her heart out for this man who she barely knows. <laughs> <laughs> so it's supposed to be a big musical number, John. How do if you're director Vincent Minnelli, how do you how do you stage this? How do you do it? You know, you stage it with her looking out the window and nothing else. <laughs> exactly. It's it's not it's not directed. When we say this movie is like background noise, it's literally nothing to the direction. It's just like, let's have a medium close up of Judy Garland. That's it. Well, and again, it's like, this is quote unquote, a musical, but the <laughs> musical numbers are so they're like vapor. They're literally just like someone sits down at the piano. Hey, let's do a song. And then they do a song and it has nothing to do with anything. At least that one song and then the trolley song and Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas at least have some emotion to them and at least some relevance to the plot. Yeah. And every other musical number is just like, hey, let's do a song and dance out of nowhere. Da, 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 da. It's... Ugh. The moment I saw him smile I knew he was just my style My only regret musicals i've ever seen yeah it's you're right it's barely musical i'd say they're only about four songs yeah that's true like have yourself a merry little christmas boy next door trolley song and i think uh the meet me in st louis which is barely an opening number that's not a that's not a number (laughs) yeah again that's just something agnes sings whenever she's walking into the house like meet me in st louis (laughs) well i think yeah i think grandpa has a little part in that too but Mm -hmm. again it's it's nothing so we don't have a, a promising opening act here no and so, basically, we're looking at four seasons between 1903 and 1904. So that's where La La Land got it from. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or Juno, or, you know, the dozens of other movies that are set around the four seasons. Anyway. <laughs> but it's it's not a strong setup. Like, obviously, you're not... I can just tell from your voice, you're not compelled. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, I and I think I fell asleep, for... like, almost three times throughout this yeah, movie. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, well... You should have. I hope you snap back awake, because then we transition to autumn. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Yes, this part I was and this wide is awake where, for. Yeah, it, it, this is where we start to lose control. <laughs> and the pilots start calling Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. <laughs> because now we focus on the two youngest sisters. Mm-hmm. Now, now in the episode, we switch to Agnes and Tootie. Mm-hmm. They get dressed up for what I th- what we presume is Halloween. Yeah. Halloween, apparently at this time period, centers around throwing flour at people and <laughs> creating yeah. bonfires. Yeah, I was about to say, you'd assume, oh, they're going out trick-or-treating. Yeah. Nope. Instead, they, they go around a, 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 a bonfire, <laughs> children just throwing furniture onto this bonfire in the middle of the street. What is this, Ferguson? I just... <laughs> Thanks, John. I <laughs> owe. Don't, don't I owe that. <laughs> uh, but it's this insane, what we presume is satanic ritual or book burning. <laughs> we have no idea. Again, this is completely unexplained. Yep. However, one thing they do explain is that they're going to go to people's houses, mm-hmm. throw baking flour in their face, and scream, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and then run back to the fire. This is apparently a Halloween tradition dating back to the 1800s in St. Louis. I yeah. I if anybody can shed some light on this <laughs> tradition, please. We're all ears. And then so this is like a big moment for Agnes or Tootie. Tootie. Yes. Tootie's yeah. Tootie's the youngest. Yeah. Because so yeah, a- everyone says you're too little. Like you can't participate. Exactly. But she kind of shows her medal by going up to the scariest house in the neighborhood, knocking on the door and throwing flour in the face of the scariest man in the neighborhood. And and screaming, I hate you. Exactly. (laughs) And she manages to gain the respect of all her peers again. Huzzah. (laughs) Wonderful. And then she gets hit by a trolley. (laughs) Uh, John, that's not the half of it. (laughs) She gets hit by a trolley, lies about it, and accuses the man (laughs) that... Judy Garland's character is dating of hitting her. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Judy Garland goes to this man, basically mm-hmm. confronts him, slaps him, is like, how dare you hit a little girl? You had no right. And then she goes back, and Agnes and Tootie reveal the truth that they were playing around the trolley, and... John, not just playing around the trolley, they lay something on the tracks, hoping that the trolley would get derailed. Yeah, look, I get that <laughs> Halloween's supposed to be a time of mischief, but this is just pure criminality yeah <laughs> i get yeah and it's complete different tonal shift because the first act we were like oh like oh i hope a man comes into my life or something like that and now we're like these girls are almost dying and and perpetrating criminal acts here <laughs> <laughs> and so i guess judy garland has to go back and apologize to John, and that's supposed to be like another kind of meet cute moment she's like oh well i'm embarrassed and i'm flustered and he's like hey it's okay, because I'm cool. Yes, uh, he's, yeah, exactly. And, which Classic, culminates... Like, yes, romantic which, comedy setup. Yes, which culminates in their first kiss, or in 2017, sexual assault. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, it, again, maybe in 1944, this was a romantic moment. Obviously, times have changed, and I read that as like, ooh, that's, you know, let's... <laughs> I mean, let's but slow, let's slow the coach here, you know. Esther's making it pretty bad. She, er, she's making it pretty obvious she's thirsty. Okay, because <laughs> the first true, because we get the scene earlier where there's a party and mm-hmm. everyone's in attendance and they're the last two people there. And Esther's like, "Do you want to help me turn out all the lights?" 
because this is before electricity, so they literally had to turn down the oil to or yeah. gas or whatever to mm-hmm. turn all the lights down. So they're going from room to room, romantically turning down all the lights. Yeah, Ooh. I got a little hunted to the collar. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> oh, Judy, <laughs> I know. Yeah, you two, just just go already. Let's do it. <laughs> I can't stand this tension. <laughs> You don't need any beauty sleep. What a nice compliment. How does it go? How does what go? O- over the banister leans a face, tenderly sweet, and and. Beguiling, while below her with tender grace. He watches the picture, smiling. A light burns dim in the hall below. Nobody sees them standing, saying goodnight again, soft and low. Halfway up to the so yeah, they're they're pining for each other, but it's literally only been like months. So if there, if there's any roller coaster thrills to be had in this movie, it's it's in this relationship where literally within the space of about ten minutes, she slaps him, <laughs> tears mm-hmm. his clothing, says, "How dare you hit my sister?" and then goes back to his front porch and being like, "Hey, I'm sorry," and they embrace and share their first kiss. <laughs> but uh oh, Greg, conflict. Mm. Oh yeah, the big second act twist. Mm. There's a patriarch to this family. I oh, don't yeah. remember Who's his it? name. I'll no, call him, uh, I'll call him Daddy Warbucks because he's basically uh, just Daddy Warbucks. D- uh, no, John, we're, uh, Daddy Warbucks is nice. This guy is completely unlikable. <laughs> if if we're gonna nitpick story issues or whatever, like I hated this father character. <laughs> no, he's an absolute tool. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a tool. Um, the scene we're first introduced to, he comes home from work. They have to eat dinner early to get this phone call from New York for this mm-hmm. marriage proposal. And instead, he just runs rough sh- rud shot all over, like straight over that. Just like, no, I'm eating now. Like, screw you, family. <laughs> yeah, I need a bath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, I kind of understand because he he is the breadwinner, and all these bitches are kind of like all over him. <laughs> I, so it's like a like a last man standing situation. Like, oh, oh women, the, the women and the times be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> if they if they remade it today, I would cast uh, Tim Allen in a heartbeat. <laughs> Sure, uh, he probably has you know Tim Allen levels of likability. Really, but, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you're right. He's he's a tool and just a jerk to his whole family. Like I, I'm glad you can identify with <laughs> with his character. You know, being the sole breadwinner and you know mm-hmm. trying to maintain this <laughs> this uh, antebellum South you know lifestyle that they have. <laughs> and he gets a job offer in New York, mm-hmm. and so he's going to relocate the whole family to New York. Yeah. <gasps> oh, then, okay, Sarah, Sarah. Everyone is uh, distraught, upset. What about Esther and John Truitt? Mm-hmm. What about Agnes and Tootie and their lives there? I <laughs> well, the, again, they're secondary characters. We don't really care about them. Mm-hmm. But what about uh, Anna and her... Oh, wait, Anna's a mother. Um, <laughs> what about Rose and her college studies as well? But, I mean, she's going after this man in New York, so it's kind of convenient for her. I know, yeah. So, Not that she but wants she has a man, brother. Really. No, she wants to live in St. Louis still. Yeah, but I mean, she doesn't even want a man to begin with. So, mm. yeah. What is that? Oh my you? gosh! Wait a minute, we forgot their brother. There's a brother. 
Oh yeah, the the brother who's going to Princeton. What? Do you remember that guy? No. <laughs> <laughs> he um cuz later there's a there's a debutante ball. Uh-huh. And Oh yeah, this also confused the fuck out of me. <laughs> yeah. So they're doing this ball and they have like dance cards, so it's like you have to dance with everybody on your list. Yeah. What is that about? I I don't know. Again, it seems like it's from another planet or universe or something, but Yeah. I, I yeah, we shouldn't have said <laughs> only four sisters, sorry, and an older brother who's currently going to Princeton. So okay. again, like I I don't know if anybody in their middle class existence can identify with any of this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but again, he, he goes to Princeton, but he has the borscht wit of a alien. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> uh, I cracked myself up. <sighs> but yeah, I, this movie is really needs like a like a mystery science theater treatment <laughs> exactly because none of it makes any sense none of it makes any sense and it's also paced for like throwing comments at the screen <laughs> it is it's a very slow movie it's 90 minutes and it does not feel like it oh no it's long it's about an, a little under two hours oh okay never mind then yeah but yeah. it feels like it feels execrable yeah i've uh, it's, anyway let's get to the actual christmas portion of the movie Mm-hmm. So the third act is set in the wintertime, you know, again, just like It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and they're going to move to New York. This is their last Christmas in St. Louis. Ugh. They have this debutante ball, and they wanted to, again, there's this gag. You mentioned the dance cards. They were going to make uh, this wealthy dowager from New York dance with all these toads and <laughs> weird-looking dudes. <laughs> I completely zoned out for this portion. Yeah, I was, just uh, so it, I was like, "Wait, why are they doing a ball? What are these dance cards?" I was so I had too many questions. I couldn't get all the details. Yeah, and again, it's like the most mild of concerns. Like uh, Esther, Judy Garland's character is going to go with her with her beloved uh, John mm-hmm. Truitt. Yeah. Um, but his his suit didn't get back from the cleaners, and now he can't go. Oh my gosh! Oh, the, what twisted fates! <laughs> High stakes drama, people. I know. Why, why, Lord, be so needlessly cruel? (laughs) But, so, yeah, um, I guess this is a nice character moment, because, again, we have these dance cards, and you're expected to dance with these people, and she's playing a joke on this this wealthy woman from out of town, Mm -hmm. where she's got to dance with all the the weirdos in in the city. (laughs) All the weirdos who were lucky enough to be born in the upper crust of society, so that you know, they'll be fine. Yeah, be stick it to life. the stick it to the rich. Take that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she sees how happy that she makes her brother, so she permits them to dance, and she he takes she takes the card and has to dance with all these all these uh, toad people. <laughs> she makes that sacrifice. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. So I guess that's a nice character moment. Again, it helps you identify with Judy Garland. So you know, mm-hmm. a thumb a thumbs up in that respect. If we can give you know a little positive a little positive notice for this movie, you have that. And then later, uh, John Truitt does recover his suit. They share one dance, and that's when he proposes marriage. After <laughs> they've known each, yes, after they've known each other for about six months. <laughs> this was nineteen. This was nineteen oh three. Like that's like eight years. I, that's true. It <laughs> They're was only going to live like three more years anyway. So before <laughs> before the cholera takes them. So. Yeah. They're just lucky it wasn't arranged. So, mm-hmm. but John, they're still gonna move to New York. John, this is the this is the the crux of the story. Like, ugh, oh dear. I know. What are we gonna do? And that's when uh, Esther goes home to console Tootie, who again Tootie doesn't want has to move. a little freak out. They uh, have built all. Well, this no, snow. no, John. Well, before we get to that, <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> this is when we hear "Have yourself a merry little Christmas." Well, doesn't she use "Merry uh, Have yourself a merry little Christmas" to console her after her little freak out? 
Because no, there's all before. these snowmen. They build like little yeah, snow no, it's, it's of before. The yeah, it's before the, the freak out. Okay, let's get into the freak out. <laughs> yeah. Because this is where we, we really hit a tailspin. <laughs> <laughs> so it's wintertime before the debutante ball. They all make um, snowmen that look like um, the family members. They make facsimiles out of snow of every member of the family. They have like grandpa and mom and Esther and Rose. and Yeah, very, very poor facsimiles. They yeah, look exactly. like Vladimir Lenin statues. Really. I mean, <laughs> And so, in kind of a moment of anger, uh, Tootie goes outside and she smashes all of them. She's like, I don't want to leave! You know, acts like a nine-year-old for once in this movie, I guess. Yeah. It, it's supposed to be poignant. Mm-hmm. I think supposed to. <laughs> it's really, it's it's laughable. And Well, again, the direction is so stagey. It's just kind of like flat, point the camera at this, and now this happens. Yeah, there's no real close-ups, there's no sophisticated movements or anything like that. I mean, no. Of the director Vincent Minnelli was really a workman, like you know, like cut, print, perfect. Let's move on. Okay, yeah. And so, as as was the era, like you know, in film production, they were just pumping this stuff out. So, so I don't know what if our expectations should be higher, but I mean, anything post Citizen Kane, come on, absolutely. That's all I ask. That's yeah. all I ask. Why can't everyone be Orson Welles? I, exactly. Which, I want to be Orson Welles. I, I gotta say, there's there's a little bit of Christmas in that movie too. Oh, of course. I try to, yeah, I try to revisit Citizen Kane once a year, and it's always around Christmas. Rosebud. It's it's yeah. literally a snow globe and about a sled. Snow globe. No, we'll also um, in the story we'll talk we'll talk about Citizen Kane in spotlight. But <laughs> can we, yeah, can we talk about Citizen Kane instead? <laughs> yeah, no, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it in spotlight because okay. we we have other classics that we really should talk about that we have seen before right. and we implore everybody to see. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, it's it, it's a laughably campy moment. <laughs> That just that just doesn't work, and so it's it's no like you know Jimmy Stewart running through Bedford Falls saying Merry Christmas. <laughs> mm-hmm. So again, if you're wondering why this isn't exactly a Christmas classic and known only for one song, mm-hmm. now now you know. <laughs> I mean, it's still included on the 1001 movies you need to see before you die. That guy, why? I don't. Know. I know. Yeah, that guy really. We need to have a talk with him. <laughs> <laughs> he can really pare down that list. <laughs> I know. Yeah. A like. It would take you like ten years. I mean, pl- please, it's it's a big wonderful world out there. I love movies, but please go <laughs> find some other avenue to travel. Go in see your, your life. family for Christmas for crying out loud! Come on. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year all.
but um, it's, it's, John, in spite of our deepest, darkest moment of Tootie, mm-hmm. you know, bashing these snowmen, <laughs> these facsimiles <laughs> of her family, the father decides, you know what? Our, uh, we'd love it here in St. Louis. We're going to stay. <laughs> Three days before they're supposed to move, he goes, screw it. Yes, I'm, I'm staying here. And company, if you want to fire me, whatever. My name's on the, uh, the law firm, so fuck you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is he a partner? Oh, yeah, he was like a junior partner in, in St. Louis and then could be a real partner. Eh, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Who gives yeah, a shit? Whatever. We'll have antitrust legislation very soon, so... <laughs> <laughs> That'll show you. Mm-hmm. But anyway, then they get into their dandies get-ups <laughs> to go to the World's Fair. Yeah, and sorry, these are just the most ridiculous white costumes I've ever seen. <laughs> and when they first come out of their, their house, their their plantation homes, essentially, <laughs> all I could think about was other like child laborers getting their fingers caught in the belt of mills. <laughs> Like out of an Upton Sinclair novel. Ouch. And instead we're yeah, instead we're watching Agnes and Tootie, you know, flots off to the World Fair. Ho ho ho, too real, Greg. Okay, come on. I, I know. Too yeah. real. I know, I know. I'm clang, sorry. clang, clang with the trolley. <laughs> ring, ring, ring with the bell. I'm sorry I'm sorry. This again, this movie elicited a profound darkness out of me. <laughs> well, again, it's like it's such a fantasy. It's such lifestyle true, yeah. porn that it goes mm-hmm. so far in the other direction that it's like, okay, this is absurd. This is ridiculous. And again, this is why neither one of us could really get into it. It's because unlike A Christmas Story, which again, my mind also went back to when I was watching this movie, that does feel like a genuine, earnest representation of what it's like to be a kid. And again, oh, yeah. there's nothing about this movie that is whatsoever relatable. It's taking place, in, again, in an alternative universe where... St. Louis is antebellum South. Yeah. Again, they're rich. They have to choose between living in St. Louis or living in New York. Like, are you yeah, kidding they me? Have like, the, this is they the, have the stakes perfect, we're dealing with. Yeah, the yeah the perfect uh, prospective husbands in their lives. You know, mm-hmm. no real. Con- I was wondering if it was trying to invoke any nostalgia or something like that because this this came out in the midst of World War Two. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also coming off the Great Depression, so like maybe this is just like escapism for audiences back in 1944. I guess, yeah. And again, like this is this is based on a memoir, so maybe it's like again harkening back to a simpler time, mm-hmm. yep. before the war effort, before war bonds and the ilk. Yep. Now, was it a memoir or? It was like I think it's based on a series of New Yorker essays by the yeah. girl who like Agnes or Tootie. Uh, mm-hmm. The the oh, author is ba- basically Tootie is the insert for her. Got it. Okay. But yeah, it's based on her memories of living in St. Louis at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was like yeah. these were printed in a series of New Yorker essays. New Yorker, yeah. Yep. By uh, Sally Benson. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, the most there's... classist of all magazines. <laughs> yeah, the New Yorker. Absolutely. With its monocle and butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if it's the Murgatroyd. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, other than Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, there is very little else in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. To really recommend. Otherwise, otherwise, it's pretty campy. I think if you love camp stuff, yeah, and maybe uh, shouting out comments while you're watching a movie. I think this is this is definitely for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely uh, watch with your friends and appreciate how ridiculous it all is. Yeah, <laughs> look out for the aspiring snobs commentary track. <laughs> oh, we're already busy enough. <laughs> uh, this is true. Yeah, and it sounds like you'd you'd rather watch anything else. Yes, that is absolutely true. Yeah. Be together. If the fates 
So, John, in that spirit, oh, yes, let's get on to what we close every episode with, and that's our spotlight section. Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Have yourself a merry little spotlight. Let your spots be light. <laughs> Make the spotlight gay. <laughs> Damn, now I wish I had a gay option. Uh, all right. <laughs> Oh, you telling me you can't pull out a, a gay option out of your hat? Come on. <laughs> no, shut up. <laughs> we already know what you have for Spotlight, so let's just yeah. get into it. Absolutely. I, again, I, I wanted, now I want an opportunity to actually talk about these classic movies that we've seen to really implore listeners to seek out these movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Citizen Kane is one of the greatest movies ever made, mm-hmm. and there is... A, a section of it devoted a little scene, a very short scene, only about thirty seconds, devoted to Christmas. Uh, Citizen or Citizen Kane, Charles Foster Kane, <laughs> um, has been ripped away from his mother to go live with a uh, a wealthy benefactor. Mm-hmm. Ba- and basically, the scene following when he's ripped away from his mother, it's a uh, it's now Christmas time. He gets a he gets a beloved sled, and um, oh shoot, I can't remember his name, but he says like Merry Christmas, Charles. And he says, Merry Christmas, and then cut to years in the future, and a Happy New Year. You know, it's that kind of editing. It's it's so compelling. We just talked about a movie from 1944 that is so profoundly boring. <laughs> and yet, uh, this movie from three years earlier, it'll entertain any audience today. Exactly. It's, it's like, that, it, it's it that was, much of an achievement. It, like, it's so weird how long it took for people to realize that they could move the camera and have actual <laughs> staging. And you didn't just have to do one character on one side of the frame, one character on the other side of the frame, just talking. You can have <laughs> movement. You can have, like, lighting and shadow. It's just, it's so innovative. Well, yeah, I mean, they did have some of that before. I mean, <laughs> you know, don't... <laughs> there was some of that before. None of them put all those kind of, like, technical innovations, like deep focus and, you know, uh, like a low-angle shot or high-angle shots where you can actually see the ceiling. I mean, mm-hmm. just the amount of effort that Orson Welles and his production company put into it is kind of astonishing. So, again, I, there's there's a little Christmas connection, and I and you know there there's that message about you know cons- or, uh, kind of consumerism, and it, uh, obviously we get to the end like you know Charles mm-hmm. Foster Kane has accumulated all this stuff in his life, and yet he's he's you know profoundly unhappy. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that message that I think ties in really well with Christmas. And then also, I found, I, what I love about the movie is also tone. Mm-hmm. That's what we talk about, because it, like part of it is like a 40s movie. There's one gag where, um, again, his wealthy, his wealthy benefactor, um, he's, so, he's so upset with um, how rebellious Charles Foster Kane is, you know, blowing money in, in Europe or, on, or buying newspapers that are flailing newspapers. <laughs> and at one point he goes, I think it would be fun to run a newspaper. And then he looks straight <laughs> down the barrel of the lens and goes, Brr. <laughs> So there is there is that like little element of camp, but the, the two scenes that I just adore 
mm. are it, it, Charles Foster Kane is, has bought that newspaper, and and now they have the biggest circulation in all of New York. Mm-hmm. And so they have this party, and and it's it's all done through recollection. That's how we uh, learn this guy's biography. Mm-hmm. And you see Charles Foster Kane dancing around with all these ladies, you know, to this jaunty tune. There is a man, a certain man. <laughs> And then I, I wish we could like cut to like literally an hour later, he's divorced. The se- his second wife is leaving him again. Mm-hmm. Just another matter of his life where he has no control. And then th- that's when he just tears the room apart. No music, nothing. But it's like kind of staged in the same like wide shot. And it's mm-hmm. such an amazing contrast to see like an hour earlier we were in this wide, you know, wonderful celebration, and an hour earlier staged the exact same way. An old man whose life has fallen apart. Well, I mean, you also have to give it credit for this epic scale that we're literally going That's through it, yeah. his whole life. And mm-hmm. he literally goes through this transformation. Like, the makeup, while it's not, you know, great by today's standards, still pretty impressive. I th- No, I, st- I th- still think it's great. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still convincing. I mean, this guy was <laughs> 25 years old when he made this movie. <laughs> God, what well, we and again, with our con- lives? <laughs> contrasting that with me being St. Louis, how should we structure this movie? How about by the seasons? We'll yeah. have a title card that says Spring. How about the next yeah. one? We'll say summer. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's an incredible achievement. Like literally, like you you owe it to yourself to go see Citizen Kane. And while you have how while you have the time off this holiday season, please do. We implore you. Yes, one of the you greatest. You don't even have to be a made. snob to appreciate Citizen. No, Kane. it's a no. great movie. It'll enrich you, body, body mind, soul. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going a little far, but it's great. Please. <laughs> I don't think you're going far enough, Greg. I do. This is true. It. Limit your life. Forget church this holiday season. <laughs> forget your Go family. Go to the church of Orson Welles. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, fam. Got no time for you. I'm watching yeah, Citizen yeah. Kane. <laughs> yep. I'm watching an 80 year old movie. <laughs> but, John, this season, yeah, this season is about me. What do you have for Spotlight? I have another Christmas classic for you. Okay. You know, as a hashtag 90s kid, mm-hmm. you have certain things you grow up with, like. Our our James Bond will always be our Pierce Brosnan. Oh yeah. Our Batman will always be George Clooney. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, and really, I, I, no. It'll always be um, Kevin. Oh fuck, what's his name? Val <laughs> Kilmer. No, no, no. The the voice actor for the Batman movie. Oh, Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it really will be Kevin Conroy because we are, uh, you know, yeah, it's good we point. are children of the '90s. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll also have our own version of the Muppets. <laughs> Yeah, we will. (laughs) So today, I want to recommend for you one of my favorite adaptations of A Christmas Carol, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, But John, this this was the first big Muppet project following the the tragic death of Jim Henson. Mm -hmm. And people think they, yeah. His son, Brian, took up the helm, and I think he did a pretty fantastic job. Yeah. I mean... I I revisited this <laughs> maybe a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the real star of the show is Michael Caine as Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Well, however, the the way it's structured, unfortunately, he doesn't really get a lot to do for the first half because mm-hmm. it's really more the Gonzo and Rizzo show. Uh, Gonzo is playing Charles Dickens, and he's well. Actually, there there are chorus, yeah. yeah. There are R two D two and three C three PO of the story, mm-hmm. and so they're kind of again like literally reading out of the book explaining to the kids of the audience what's going on mm-hmm. and sadly you know poor Ebenezer doesn't really get much to do except react and you know it's actually kind of hard to act with Muppets with actual puppets <laughs> because again they don't you know their eyes aren't expressive <laughs> there aren't you're saying you can't unleash your imagination and not see the puppeteer literally four feet underneath you <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's really, you know, Michael Caine's great, but you really don't get to see his performance until, you know, Christmas yet to come. When, you know, Gonzo and Rizzo are like, uh, this is too scary for us. We're getting out of here. And yeah. so he gets to fully kind of actually act out being Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, I, I, I think if, if we're going to talk about the, the, the cultural milieu of the 90s, <laughs> <laughs> we should say, yeah, there's, there's a self-awareness there. Mm-hmm. Again, I think there, uh, there's a good kind of mix of tones, like between slapstick and and uh, the actual, you know, severity of this the final confrontation with death that mm-hmm. Ebenezer Scrooge, ha- Scrooge has. So, well, I, I mean, th- yeah, I think that meta quality has always been kind of oh yeah, a part, of the, part of the Muppets. Muppets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally in the original Muppet movie, Kermit says, "This is going to be too long to explain here. Read the script." And he gives him a copy. <laughs> But I think it's great. I think it's a fun adaptation, again, like because it's a story that we've all heard a million times before, and again, it still makes it fun, fresh, and I'm a sucker for production design, and you just, oh, yeah. look, and you just look at the sets and how many puppets are on screen at a single time. It's just so impressive. <laughs> yeah. I had to say, I don't know what that Muppet is, but the, the Ghost of Christmas present. Mm-hmm. Like just the scale and the, and the artistry that goes behind a creation. You've like never that. seen the likes of me before. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I remember being freaked out as a kid because any life-size Muppet was just too much. Fun. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Big Bird stuff. Again, scary things. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of those kids who cried at Chuck E. Cheese. I'm not gonna. I'm not afraid. Uh, of oh it. yeah, yeah. Again, if I saw Big Bird in, in real life, I'd probably run the other way. <laughs> <laughs> and not just because I'm I'm afraid of birds, but <laughs> <laughs> hello. I need your biggest bird feeder. <laughs> no, that's too big. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been on a Simpsons kick recently. Yeah, can't help myself. John, wait, what do you mean Simpsons kick? John, our whole lives are Simpsons. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it's a whole language for people. <laughs> that is a good point. <sighs> well, Greg, I think it's time that we have ourselves a merry little Christmas. Absolutely. John, I have a gift for you. What's that? It's a social media page. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet of you. I know. Twitter.com slash aspiring snobs. So what you'll find there is the funniest content on the internet. <laughs> is it evident enough that Greg runs the Twitter page? <laughs> I Hang on. John, let's not, let's not reveal how the sausage is made. No, that's a good point. No matter how delicious that sausage is. <laughs> or how funny my tweets are. But... <laughs> And don't forget the retweets. Yes, if you could give us a follow, maybe retweet, you know, keep them hearts coming. Mm-hmm. We would appreciate this holiday season. And maybe you can like and follow us on Facebook while you're there. Absolutely. And let the spirit of the season warm your heart. Mm. And once you're done with that, you can give us the greatest gift of all. A subscribe on Apple Podcasts <laughs> mm-hmm. or Stitcher. Or a recommendation let's say let's say you can't get, be there this this holiday season you know travel and all the stresses of the season impossible mm-hmm. hey how about just drop us a nice little christmas card at our email address aspiringsnobs at gmail.com give us the warm feelings of the season yep i mean we've given you a, a hearty recommendation citizen kane why not offer us a, a recommendation i mean we'd love to talk about it it is better to give to receive and we've been giving to you, eh, debatable but <laughs> we've been giving to you so much <laughs> and we just have nothing to show for it. <laughs> so that's not true, John. We've got hours of we've got hours of joyous entertainment, you know, between the two of us at least. Oh, well, not meet me in St. Louis, but yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll give you a, a good one next week. Oh, this one, this one's been in the can for a while. Yes, it has. Well, <laughs> not the recording of it, but the 
my uh, my enthusiasm for the movie. <laughs> yes, Greg's been burns brightly. <laughs> Greg's been wanting to do this since day one, since we started yes. doing the podcast. We're gonna finally get a chance to revisit Martin Scorsese's Casino. Yeah. <laughs> so if you loved our Goodfellas episode, which was the fourth one we've ever done. <laughs> And thought, oh, damn, I want more of that, except, you know, slightly lesser quality, maybe? <laughs> no, that, well, was just birth, that was just birthed out of the commercial instincts of Universal Pictures. You know? <laughs> the producers went to Scorsese and said, like, hey, you know that movie you just did? did it, do it again. Do it again, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yes, it'll be great, yeah. Yep. So, until next time, warm and happy holidays, and Merry Christmas to all. And please keep aspiring. <laughs> <laughs>